Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, you guys. I don't see any blood on your uh, scrubs today. That's. No, I was in clinic. Pretty clean. Oh well, there you go. Blood on your scrubs. I had blood on my scrubs in the last show. I didn't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either, but that's awesome. It was on my pants, though. Oh, well, that's probably why I didn't notice. While, while I was wheeling in my Tempest yesterday, I saw my hand as it slowly went into the side of the sheetrock and skidded across it. I was like, oh, wow, that, that's going to hurt. And <laughs> it did. I've got to figure out how to get these two games out of my basement with like the backyard being basically mud and ice. Oh, oh no. I would wait. What's the uh, hurry there? Is there? I, well, I'm supposed to trade um, my Major Havoc conversion and an Asteroids Deluxe for that uh, food fight. Oh, man, that's nice. a heck, the heck of a trade. Well, I've got the Major Havoc uh, um, dedicated project almost done at the shop. So that will come down and replace. <laughs> and I think Star Wars is going to replace Asteroids. So I think it's a good trade. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Work. My Asteroids Deluxe is talking to me. It sounds like it's got a cricket inside of it because the uh, power supply is still all original caps. You need you need that uh, little board that we talked about last last time. Oh yeah, yeah. I would take that. The power protection board. Oh, we're not doing too bad tonight, we guys. Just, we should probably get things rolling, though. What do you think? No. No, yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> All right. Wait, you you mean we're not done? <laughs> Show's over, folks. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for playing. Giggity. Giggity. Super duper. Yeah. <sighs> Live from KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this is Arcade Radio. <laughs> Intruder alert, intruder alert. Welcome to episode 12 of season 3 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 20th. I know it's Wednesday, but thanks for tuning in anyway. And the time is now approximately 7.23 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in the Arcade Sphere. This is your host, Mr. Adam Fantastic. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark Time Runner Shields, and ParadiseArcadeShop.com proprietor and skipper to my Gilligan, Brian Thurston Howell III. <laughs> And tonight, returning from his nearly two-year journey into the world of running in a retro arcade, it's Mr. Garnelson. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How you doing? 
Good. What? What? Welcome. Welcome. What's up? <laughs> How do you do it? We're not just in the arcadosphere. We're in the arcade. Yeah, that's looking good too. Chatters, what do you think? It looks real good, don't you think? I think it looks good. Look, looks good. Chatters are saying that it looks good. <laughs> it looks really good. It looks so good. <laughs> they all want to go. Why don't you? Why don't you just real briefly give us a little pl- plug? You know where 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 is this place? Um, so I'm coming to you guys live from the Garcade here uh, in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. Um, we're a retro style arcade. Have arcade games, pinball machines, foosball air hockey, um, just tons of stuff to do. We've got about 165 games on the floor right now. Um, and yeah, we're absolutely loving doing it. This is very cool. We're, we're super blessed to be able to do what we can do. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, <clears throat> that's fantastic. Uh, what are you up to these days, Brian? I've been working on a few projects over at the shop. I am uh, putting together some of the uh, major havoc dedicated uh, parts that I picked up on the repro cabinet. Um, actually the guy that did the repro cabinet for me just posted a timber cabinet on Facebook and made me think that I really need a timber. Um, oh yeah. But those are cool. Off to murky. Yeah. Tim- um, timber, cab- that, timber cabs are being I've repro'd. Been- Yo, now you just got to find a board set. Yeah, I know. Well, that's a little bit of a problem because the board sets that match it are the ones that are like super hard to find for uh, for uh, MCR boards. It's like an MCA MCR three B or something. I was looking into this today. Yeah, you might as well be, you know, and you don't want to wreck a tapper or a discs of Tron, right? <laughs> so, and then aside from that, we've just been working a lot on uh, Williams boards. Actually, had a little visitor at the shop the other day and. Adam came by and we we got some uh, some board stuff going. A little, he called me little. <laughs> so yeah, you call him little buddy. <laughs> hey little buddy, <laughs> hey little buddy, you come over and we'll fix some Williams boards. It'll be fun. So we, <laughs> I went over there and I brought my joust set, which is cool because it's almost working. Yeah, but we learned well, a we lot. Got- we learned a lot. We did. We you know it's funny those those two chips between the ROMs on the CPU board. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I would have never thought of pulling those and socketing those. And, like, you got into that uh, article. We did that on two of the boards. That seemed to, like, snap them to life again. Yeah, the so. 74 LS 153s. Yep. So if you have a joust board that's complaining of a um, a RAM error 131, uh, it could be the RAM. And uh, the RAM is indicated by the first digit. You have uh, the first digit tells you whether it's a ROM error or a RAM error. So if it's a RAM error, it'll be a 1. And then it tells you which bank it's in. It uh, was bank 3. And it'll tell you which chip it is. So bank uh, bank 3 chip 1. So 131 is typically if you have a, a RAM problem. But it also occurs if those pesky little LS-153s go bad. They're like the memory controllers. Yeah. So we we found out uh, very quickly that uh, we could fix a few of those CPU boards and... Uh, and so my and CPU board's working, my inter, uh, interface board or widget board's working. I just have to do a little surgery on my ROM board, and I'm good to go. And I'll, I'll have a Joust board for sale pretty soon. Nice. Nice. What are they going Fantastic. for? What's that Joust board <laughs> exactly? A zillion jillion? <laughs> a zillion jillion? Would you? I Tree think, fitty. I was thinking I would sell for about 300 Yeah. I think you could trade it for a food fight cabinet. <laughs> just, just yeah hey mark i got this great deal for you <laughs> not my machine not my machine. 
<laughs> so, Mark, what have you been working on? Well, I received some Atari Start Repro buttons from Arcade Shop that I picked up. Thank you, Brian. Oh, my God. Yes, I did a review on my channel, Meet the Time Runner. So if you've got a few minutes after the show, go check it out and listen to me ramble and and click buttons thinking, hey, if I click, this is content. (laughs) The whole point I'm (laughs) trying to do is make it to 10 minutes and I never made it. So whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, So that was fun. Uh, I've got one of them in my uh, centipede cocktail right now. Um, what else? Centipede. In. He said centipede. In Austin, which is beautiful. To what now? Way. I would love to build an arcade there. To what now? I, I was in Austin. Am I, am oh. I roboting? Okay. You know, you just, Oh, okay, you I just kind missed of the tip. Yep. Right. Yeah. So I picked up a tempest and the kicks for $900. Make you high. I, I feel like that was a pretty good deal, and uh, it was fun. Except for the lead, the the lady was showing me the house, which was in the middle of nowhere. And then she goes over to what I thought was a gun rack, and reaches in and pulls out four oranges and says, "Take these oranges." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> well, nice. what a tough audience. It's uh, funny. Let's see what else? I just watched a Simon and Simon episode where they had to pick oranges. Oh man, that. That's one of my favorites. Not <laughs> time pilot in my garage is now working. I don't have sound, um, but you know, I, I think I've got that figured out. There's just a few chips involved. Plus, I have some caps that are pretty old on there. And then, so, Gar, what have you been working on? Not too de- not too in depth. We need to, we do need interview fodder, but you can give us a um, highlight. Man, I'm. We do all of our own maintenance and repair here. So, um, you know, we're constantly battling things with the pinball machines, uh, you know, flippers going bad and uh, just your normal wear and tear. Um, Haven't been working on anything too major, too massive. Uh, Just a lot of the day to day uh, repairs keep things running. I was making fun that Mark of Mark pretending I was frozen, but Mark is actually frozen. <laughs> <laughs> like solid. It's like, there he goes. <laughs> oh, that was a quick switch there. That was easy. It's like magic. <laughs> oh, that was good. So, all right, we'll get more into that in a little bit. Um, we, we have some, we have some good stuff come up on the show. I, I'm really excited. So I, I, I think we do. Okay, I think so. Yeah. Good evening. The news channel. The Israel government. Business merger. Refugee. Oil supply. Defense. The clan. Education. Strike. Crime. Riot. Candid science. Celebrity. The earth. The universe. The news channel. Today I'm Bob Kang. I'm Welcome to the Arcade News. So tonight we've got a couple of interesting stories here. Uh, first off, we talked about this briefly before, but uh, Micro Arcade. Micro Arcade was put up on geek.com. Uh, these credit-sized portable gaming systems are a little bit thicker than a credit card, but uh, about the same thickness as four cards stacked together. And the idea is that you can carry games like Frogger, Galaga, Pac-Man, Rally X, and Space Invaders around with you to play them anytime you want if you don't have your own Tesla to play them on anyways. <laughs> 
So it's, it's really kind of a neat idea. And it, it's one of the things I think that's most encouraging about seeing stuff like this is that people are, you know, this reminds me of those little, I had a little burger time arcade, you know, that was like eight times the size of a wallet back then. Um, <laughs> but, but it's neat to see this stuff coming back where people actually want to have this stuff around with them. And that the arcade resurgence is really showing this kind of drive. So they're going to sell these for 20 to $25. And obviously somebody went through the trouble of getting the licensing to do this, thought it was important enough. And so uh, it's really neat to see that this is continuing on. Have you guys seen these things? I have not seen these yet. Um, I'm going to look at this nice little link you have here. Uh, Let's see here. Yeah, those things, uh, those things are tiny. Holy crap! I don't want that. I'd have to, I'd have to like wear readers all the time, or like have a magnifying glass. This reminds me a little bit of the the Game Boy Micro. Do you guys remember that? It was so I, tiny. Smaller. Yeah, I've got fat fingers. Like, yeah, well, that definitely makes that a <laughs> lot harder to deal with. Yeah, I, I'm all thumbs. I, I mean, but but just think of how cool you'd be when you walk into the party and slap down your Frogger. You know, uh, I mean, there you go. Maybe if I'm like eight, because <laughs> my eyes would still work. You know, what? interesting thing. I didn't know this, but those little arcade games you can buy at uh, Target and Walmart. They like they have a Fixic Felix. They're all numbered. I forget what the, yep. the you know what I mean. But uh, all the uh, like Galaga and Joust, they're running. NES ROMs. They're not running the arcade ROMs. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So I was looking at them the other day and I was like, that's the NES ROM. So I, I, it's kind of weird to me to put it in an arcade game and why wouldn't you just get the arcade ROM? You're licensing it anyway, right? <laughs> right. Well, I'd be willing to bet. Well, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff I'll bet you has to do with licensing. I mean, they get into this stuff and it gets so confusing as to what you use. The other thing on those, um, I'll bet you anything. It had something to do with how do you make a free play ROM for this game licensed uh, yeah. without a hack? And then you get into this complicated <clears throat> thing. Look guys, let's just get away. Let's get away from that. Mm. The other thing is too, is you get into what emulates the arcade ROMs is MAME. Sure. Right. So you can't sell the thing with MAME. So they probably have an NES emulator that MAME's not illegal though. No, but MAME's not, but you can't sell it. Oh, cause of the, Yeah. Yeah, because it's open source. Yeah, it's so open then source. I'll, I'll bet you there's an NES emulator they found, and they said, here we go. Yeah, got you. Yeah, you're probably right. So, so moving along here, why can't you call it a barcade? And this, you know, <laughs> this is actually a really interesting uh, news article. This is something that came up quite a while ago. But, um, I mean, people don't realize this. With all this resurgence in these arcade bars, so we won't call them barcades, um, some of them are opening up and calling themselves Barcades, and then they're getting this nice little uh, cease and desist letter and phone call from Barcade, which is a Brooklyn-based firm that owns the trademark to this. And they started this years ago. It was uh, like 2007. Just wanna, actually, I just want to let you know that before you became a host, we did this story. So, <laughs> I, and guess know. who? Guess who got the cease and desist? <laughs> yeah, and guess guess who ended up settling? <laughs> this guy, this guy, who's got two thumbs and a domain name with Barcade in it. Not me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyways, don't open up a Barcade is long and short of that one. <laughs> they, are, they are litigious. I actually had uh, three or four days of conversations back and forth in email, and then finally I ended up calling their lawyer. 
because I, I, I contacted a local lawyer about um, IP law and he's like, well, you could fight it, you know, because it's not, they had like, you couldn't do barcade blank this dot com or barcade dot whatever com. Uh, but uh, mine was Valley Barcade with the, the city name in front. And so he said, well, you could, you could, you could try, you know, to, and I said, well, he's like, but then you probably lose and you'll probably have to go to New York to fight it. And it'll cost you thousands of dollars to fly back and forth for a stupid domain name. That's when you change your name to Valley V arcade. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I called their lawyer and I ended up communicating through him and said, you know, I'm not a squatter. I'm not trying to infringe on their space i'm in the freaking middle of minnesota give me a you know throw me a freaking bone here and uh so they did they they bought the domain name from me how much well enough to get a centipede machine well that's good which is what i bought you know it's interesting with all this stuff when you get into the trademarks and protecting them i know a good buddy of mine is going through that with uh synthesizers actually lives out in milwaukee but it's it really gets down to how much can you afford to spend on defending your rights and at a certain point a lot of people just kind of throw in the towel more so because they just can't afford to defend it sure yeah so and moving along here uh konami announced uh, anniversary collections for castlevania contra and a number of other arcade classics including Gradius, Gradius 2, Life Force, Thundercross, Scramble, Twin B. Um, so these are going to be launched. Um, it'll be available on the Switch, which is becoming rapidly popular with the kids nowadays. Uh, PlayStation the 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One. I might actually buy a Switch. I actually own one, which I is have part a PS4, of my uh, laugh there. And I, I, I've heard, I mean, yeah, I know you have one. You love it, right, Brian? It's, you know, the Switch is actually a really neat system because, I mean, it is a, a portable system that you can plug into your TV. So it's kind of fun because you can play the game, pack it up, go on a road trip, get on a plane, do all this stuff, and literally take the games that you have on your Switch with you. And it's legitimately powerful, right? Today. Yeah. And it's legitimately powerful. I mean, oh, yeah. Gar, you take that thing to work, you have, you're surrounded by 160 games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're slightly addicted to Pokemon Go here. Oh, okay. So. Uh, <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I, I get updates every day on uh, what my son has caught for Pokemon Go, actually. So Switch, I found this out the other day. Friday is okay to bring Switch to school Friday, every Friday. So what? Yeah, you know, that's what I said. But, you know, <laughs> I, go, I go with it. So, and then one more thing I was going to bring up. This is kind of old news, but I thought I'd bring it up because I thought it was fun. Okay. Um, back in 2018, uh, it's a product that I was going to bring up. Uh, there's a guy, I'm going to butcher his name, Akshay Bawija, that developed this little Arduino IC tester. And we've been playing around with this, thought it would be fun to do a run of boards. But this allows you to do testing of a number of different chips, up to 20 pins, uh, your little uh, LS74 chips and others. The really cool thing about this is it's all open source. So the ability to test the chips can be changed and added. Also, it, it tests RAM. No, this one does not. That's oh. the NeoLock system. So the oh. NeoLock is actually really cool. We'll talk about that next okay. week. Okay, okay. Sorry. I'm but sorry. This one, just, look, just look at Adam thinking he's smart. Guess I what? Know. I can edit <laughs> I can edit the show. 
Oh snap! <laughs> <laughs> I, I did overload. Uh, I did overload Adam with a bunch of new gadgets this weekend. So yeah, he does have some excuse. I kind of was like, look at this board. Look at this board. Look at this board. Yeah. So last night I'm getting this. I'm getting texts at like 10:30 at night. Hey, what do you think of this? <laughs> you know, I'm like, so the, maybe it's a picture of a woman. No, it's a picture of a freaking pinout for a drawing that he's working on. I'm not going to say what it is because it's going to be cool. But like, I'm like, that look, what does that even do? It is. Don't, hey, don't feel bad. Some of us think those pictures are sexy. <laughs> I did, I did too after, after he explained it to me. It's like, hey, Adam, here's this picture of this naked woman. This is sexy. You should like this. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Now I, now I get it. Look at the straight lines on that board, baby. Look at the size of those video processors. (laughs) (laughs) The kind of fun thing about this IC tester that sets it aside from other things, there's two things about it that are kind of fun. One is that you can actually add, as I said, to the chips that are able to be tested by it by a simple text file. And the second is that this IC tester doesn't require you to know what chip it is. It can actually search for the chip. And so if it's in its library of chips, it will tell you, identify the chip, and it will tell you if it's good or bad. That's so cool. just kind of some fun info. Nice. Nice. I approve. So and that is a wrap-up. Do we, do, do, we do we hit the Atari buttons enough? The fact that they sold out in like five minutes of me posting that on every major Facebook group? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I actually wrote him an email and didn't hear back. <laughs> I I also did. I asked him, can can I buy a bunch of these? Because I want some. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wrote him and I said, I said, do you know when they'll be back in stock? And he must just be like, I'm not answering anybody. <laughs> well, it's it's funny. I mean, I, Steve's a great guy, but he's not on social media, and sure. um and and so it's kind of funny because I don't think he was ready for the onslaught. I mean, I posted that to uh, like four or five groups, and I they were gone in like an hour. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was hilarious. And then somebody thought that I was involved in the production. I'm like, no, I was there looking for something else. And I went, holy crap. Somebody did the thing I wanted to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, let's see here. I bought 10. Nice. Nice. I should have. <laughs> I am sure I have, they'll be back. <laughs> yeah. I have sure. one. Yeah, yeah. Original let button. us know before you let everybody else know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I, it, you already sent us all the other texts. <laughs> right? <laughs> Look at these sexy buttons. They're too small, though. <laughs> oh. Look at the size of these buttons. It was cold out. <laughs> all right. I guess that brings us over to Mark here. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back, back to the cave with, with Time Runner. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Welcome to Back to the Cade. We will try this without roboting too much tonight. <laughs> we have three segments this evening. First off, arcade news as of March 20th, 1979. Can anybody do the math? What was that? 40? 40 years? Anyone? Ish. Yeah. I'm, yes. not, telling, I'm not telling you. Okay. <laughs> so Head On was released around this time by Sega. It's uh, where your car continuously drives in a rectangle channel uh, with a simple maze. This is funny. This, this thing says 
At the four cardinal directions are gaps where a car can change lanes. The goal is to collect dots in the maze while avoiding collisions with a computer-controlled car that is also collecting dots. First maze game where the goal is to run over dots and head on is considered a precursor to Namco's Pac-Man. Anybody here? All righty then. <laughs> That's a great picture of them. We should take a screenshot. <laughs> I actually loved head on back in the day. Very cool red cabinet. You guys remember that marquee head on? It was I actually don't cabinet. Oh man. I played a ton of that back in the day. I believe they had a, a home console release for it too, where you, yeah. you were able to play it. It's a pretty cool machine. It's like, uh, I think there's one at Grinker's. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. like, um, what was that game? It's vintage. Like, it looks vintage. What was that? Dodge'em. I, Dodge'em I for the Atari 2600 VCS was ba- very basically the same game. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember where I was playing this. I was playing this at somebody's place. It might have been out in Wisconsin, but somebody had this cabinet. And, I, yeah, I had forgotten that one. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun game. Super simple, but just... Hell of a lot of fun. Challenging, especially when you get the other car going in the other direction. And yeah, it, it definitely was a lot of fun to play back in the day. I remember plenty of quarters going into that machine. Now, if I, I remember correctly, and it's not a game that I played a ton of, but you, the joystick moves the car in the direction at the, at the brakes. Right. And so the right. joist, the, jo- That's the joystick you shift your lanes. Right. And one of the things, but if you're in the top lane, right, if you're going across the top, you go up and down to shift lanes. If you're on the right, left, you go right or left. Yes. It's not from the car perspective. And I, if I remember correctly, it was messing me up completely because I kept wanting to go, go right. Cause I was thinking, okay, I'm in the car. Right. And the whole perspective yep. thing was just, I kept shoving the stick the wrong way and going, why isn't it going? <laughs> well, and if I remember correctly, they also made a Mario Kart map that was based off of that same concept where oh, it had openings for you to be able to go through and change lanes. Um, but then they added in the multiplayer action. Now that would be, that would be a blast. That would just be, yeah, be I, cool. I think they made that for like the N64. Oh, I, look, Mark's back. Hey, Yay. hi, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I had to switch wireless networks because every time my segment comes up, my internet shits out. <laughs> Go complain to the neighbors you're stealing the Wi-Fi from. Dang it. <laughs> I'm sure they're stealing it from me. I should change oh. to my wi- If I told you what my wireless password was, you would be like, that's just too simple. Do you, so. I just learned something new about Xfinity. I didn't know this, but do you have Xfinity? I do, and I have that little extra thing turned off. Okay, good. what you're about to talk about. Yep. Yeah. So apparently on every Xfinity router, this is just heads up for anybody in the chat and anybody listening to the show. If you if you have Comcast, uh, they ship you if you're going to rent the router from them, which a lot of people do. Uh, they ship it with a little feature that turns on Xfinity Wi-Fi uh, on a on a private network. Uh, well, not a private as a public network that people can access off of your router, and it shows up as a completely different network as an Xfinity network, and you can just log into it with your Comcast account if you have. Comcast, so you can roll through a neighborhood and use someone else's Xfinity to get on the internet. So it beats war dialing. You just drive through the neighborhood. <laughs> so um, yeah, if if you have a Comcast router, you may want to look into turning off that little extra feature. That's my PSA for today. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
<laughs> Moving so, and, and back to the Cade. Yeah, you know, while I still had bandwidth, um, <laughs> at the box office on this date in 1979, by the way, I have a video of Red Link if you want to try to get to it, but uh, oh. we were mere days away from the release of a movie that would change my life, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. It it premiered in theaters. It was filmed as a pilot for the fall 1979 season, and Universal Studios decided, hey, let's give this a theatrical release. And uh, and that pattern actually was established a year earlier by Battlestar Galactica, where they took the pilot, the three-parter pilot episode, and made it a movie and released it. The year is 1987, and NASA launches the last of America's deep space probes. In a freak mishap, Ranger 3 and its pilot, Captain William Buck Rogers, are blown out of their trajectory into an orbit which freezes his life support systems and returns Buck Rogers to Earth 500 years later. That dude is awesome, whoever that guy is. Yeah. But, but, but why? wait for this part. This is where it diverges from the TV show. It's a different link. Okay, you can stop it now. <laughs> I actually have the clip. That's why I played it. Oh, I, yeah. So, uh, so and my, then I, my link leads to the movie's version of the intro. Which, which doesn't leads, have the voiceover. It, no, it does have the voiceover. Uh, okay. It has so the voiceover. Wait, we we had to weird. go into the future to go into the future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Are you thinking of the one with lyrics? <laughs> Are you thinking of the one with lyrics? Yes, it's the one with the lyrics where there's like models in a blue, like kind of a garcade looking area. <laughs> there's the song. Yes. <laughs> Here it comes. Not a lot of people know that Buck Rogers had lyrics. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was for the movie only. And uh, I have yes. the Buck Rogers in the 25th Century soundtrack. I am a big Buck Rogers nerd, actually. Oh, so nice. anyone comes across a Buck Rogers pinball, that is one that is on my list. So Sweet. It's not great, but I love the back glass. That's, yeah, I mean, I would get a Bionic Man, $6 million man, rather, uh, but it, it's terrible. It's a terrible game. That was my first pinball machine. Oh, wow. $6 awesome. million dollar man. Six-player machine. It was awesome. Loved oh. it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, then maybe I should go get it. Okay, I'm going to put it. It's going back on the list. It's, uh, and I don't, I don't think you can find it on YouTube anymore, but there, uh, somebody put the Buck Rogers music to the opening welcome screen on the Macintosh for OS Ten. Back in the day, remember when I used to say Bienvenido and had all these zooming effects and somebody put the music to it and it fit perfectly. I wish I still had that video. Uh, I'd play it right now, but I don't. Well, the last part of my segment is about what was on TV on this night in March 20th, 1979, a mere 40 years ago. The second episode of, of the Three's Company spinoff, The Ropers, was airing this evening. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I watched it here in this house, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I'm in my parents' house. I bought it from them. They don't, they don't live here anymore, I swear to God. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have a story. 
Okay. I worked at, I worked for the Houston Chronicle and uh, the distributors that I worked for, the wife looked identical to Mrs. Roper. And I, <laughs> I would call her that like behind her back. And, and, and the only difference was that she had like a South African accent. And she always, <laughs> she was talking about how she burned her arm, like cooking popcorn. And she would tell me that story like every other week. <laughs> I also have a, a, a quick story about a, the telephone, but you know what? I'm going to save this Oh, okay. because it does involve Mrs. Roper. Oh, I'll tell it to you. I'll try to summarize it really quickly. <laughs> so I wanted to watch the OJ trial, right? This is like, what year would that have been? 1994. Yeah. And, and so Mrs. Roper, I knew was out, but she could walk in any minute. And there's no like warning when she comes in because I'm like in some remote room. Yeah. And so, in the morning, what you do is you call people who have complained about not having their paper so that somebody else comes back and throws their paper. Sure. You know, like maybe got stolen or whatever. Anyway, so what I would do is I would, I would call a, a number on the phone that I knew nobody would answer and it would just be ringing. And then I would watch the OJ trial because like eventually she's going to walk in and go, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm returning, you know, somebody's missing their paper. <laughs> And I swear to God, I, my record is like three and a half hours of sitting on the phone while another phone somewhere was ringing. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's my Mrs. Roper story. Uh, and now we're going to move on to what's in the juice. What's in the juice? And for our new listeners and our guests, what are we doing, Mark? We are going back to March 1979. So kind of adjust your thinking caps so, so that you pick up songs on that date when we play teeny tiny little snippets for you. And you can win famous prizes. No. Like a pat on the back. You can't win. Hi-ho. You don't win anything. <laughs> you don't win. But <laughs> you win our accolades and, you know, sincere respect. Yes. Mostly. And don't forget, Gar can play too. Oh yes, Gar, we welcome you. Oh, I'm we, in. We welcome you. I mean, I don't know where you were in 1979, but some of these had lasting power. I think right. they are not just limited to that. If you get the artist or the name correct, you will hear half point. If you get both of them correct, you will hear full point. And whoever has most points at the end of the game. It's our love and admiration. Let's start with our first clip. Uh, <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's start with our first clip. So that was, that was nice and short. <laughs> and uh, for for the uh, the chatters, we'll just do that one more time. Here we go. Oh yeah, here we go. It could be a number of things, actually. The clapping song. It's the clapping song. The yes. clapping song. Village people uh, in the Navy all in one fell swoop. Full point. For Circus World. Who is that? Welcome to the show. I don't know. What a good listener. Yeah. All right. That was the, right. in the Navy by the village people. Okay. The next one. Oh, mama. I'm in me. <laughs> Maybe I should play that clip again. Oh, mama. I'm in me. Some disco song. I can't, I can't hear it. You can't? I think the chatters no, I think, can. I think uh, um, the, the pinball oh, sounds are not grinding out a little bit. I'm in fear for my life. 
There you go. <laughs> Sticks. We got Wooden Gamer. I know who that is. Welcome to the show. Half point. For Mr. Matt Wood Gamer. Wooden Gamer. Long, that's part of the song. It is part of the song. You guys are close. From the long arm of the long. Got that Oh, Jeff Hagendorn, welcome to the show. And I'm going to give it to you. You're close enough. It's Renegade. Point. All right, so that's Renegade by Sticks. Here comes the next one. Yeah. Someone's, <laughs> wow. go, someone's going for their world record on Donkey Kong. <laughs> that's... <laughs> a, a, an asteroids machine with a bad amplifier chip. I don't know. <laughs> Let the good times roll. Circus World is in it again for the half. Now, who's the artist? Oh, boy. The Cars? Oh, whoa. Oh, Gar. Gar. Gar, Gar is half on. Point. Half point for the guest. <laughs> on the board. And half point. For um, that was Circus World, right? Wow, that's awesome. Perfect. Okay, that's the good times roll by the cars. And it's actually just good times roll, but you guys did get a close off. Here you go. Nice. <laughs> and then the Donkey Kong song at the end. <laughs> okay, let me try again. <laughs> you think that counts well, as Michael McDonald singing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. Well, would be. <laughs> what a fool believes. Oh, that's a half point. And half point. Right, Jeff. Who's got the rest by Lionel Richie? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you have to think, what band was uh, Michael McDonald in? That's going to be Chicago? No. No. It was Peter Cetera? Oh. Uh oh. We lost, we lost our guest for a minute. He's back. Oh, no. Oh, My back. Yeah, you're back. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not Lionel Richie. You guys, come on. Google Michael McDonald's band. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> All right, we're gonna. Nobody gets it. It's the Doobie Brothers. So we got a half. Doobie. Point. Half point. Uh, we got a half point for what a fool believes, oh, Jeff. You were actually, so close. You were so close. Well, but he would have gotten it before the lag. Yeah, I'm gonna go give him. You're gonna give him. You're gonna give it to him. I wouldn't. I'd be a jerk. Okay, here we go. The next one. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh, yeah. Such that, a good that's, lick. That's, you know, I, I used to listen to them all the time. That Me was too. one of my favorite bands growing up. Me too. Yeah. Especially that second album. That This one's really good, though. It's a good album. I remember... Uh, having- Oh, I'm, I'm glad Casey's not in here tonight because he'd be clobbering all of you Boston. guys. Boston. Oh. Oh, not Boston. No. No. Dire Straits? Dire Straits oh, is correct. Yes! Oh. And which song is it? You get a shiver in the dark. It's raining in the park. Such a good song. 
Sultans of Swing, Circus yes. World. Circus World pulls back the lead. Yep, I Sultans remember having made. arguments when uh, the Indigo Girls covered Romeo and Juliet that I had all of these young women in college insisting that they were the ones that released that song. Very disappointing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, here, okay, here's your next track. Billy Joel. Oh my God! Yes, that's correct. Half point for the guest. I know he's ahead of you guys, but you, you oh know. wow! Yep. I actually saw Billy Joel in concert. Now, can you get the song? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you went uptown riding in your limousine. Now, now, can you get it? Ugh. Not Uptown Girl will give you that. No. Uh, Jeff Hagendorn actually guessed that. Yeah, no, not Jeff Hagendorn. Sorry, you're close, but no cigar. No cigar. Oh, gosh. I'll give you a hint. It's two words. It's two words. Only two 80s really true. Park Avenue clothes. You had the dog paranoid in your hand and the spoon up your nose. Do, 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 do. <laughs> it's so sad because I don't know the names of the oh, songs. But I can Bronco, sing Bronco Billy. Yeah. Half point. That's close enough. Big spot. <laughs> Big S bot. It's the- <laughs> Someone saw my shirt today. I was wearing a Robotron shirt earlier. <laughs> and someone said, hey, you got a cool Robot Ron shirt there. Ah. Yes. <laughs> like, we have yeah. a four foot Robot Ron hanging up here at the arcade. Yeah, that's pretty nice. sweet. Yeah, shout out to Joe, uh, my coworker who, who who mentioned that today. Okay, next next track. On a warm summer's evening. <laughs> that's a classic, but Kenny Rogers know that one. Oh yeah! Holy crap! Half point. This is the this. Is, I mean, you're like killing it here. <laughs> And the song is. Now you're asking a lot. <laughs> On a train bound from nowhere. Oh, Jeff Hagendorf. The gabbler. The gobbler. I uh, got it. Uh, come on. The gambler. Jeff. Oh, go- uh, come, on, I mean, come on, Jeff. That's Just close enough. I get gobbler. it. Okay. It's one word. It's one not a gobbler. Come Half on. Point. <laughs> I, I wish I could do a quarter point. <laughs> Misspelling. We're in a rare three-way tie for first place at two points between Jeff, Circus World, and Gar. We're in a weird tie with a gobbler. This one's going to be a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite song. Really? No. (laughs) It's funny how this became so popular. It's actually, I, I remember hearing this all the time. Sticks? No, but that's a good no. guess. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's in their style. I think I yeah. played that on the piano when I was a kid. Yeah, we're gonna play a little bit more. Oh, oh. okay. It could be you know, Dennis Young. You just expect him to come in. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not Journey. Oh gosh. <laughs> Susan's like groaning upstairs right now. <laughs> I think she just started crying. (laughs) 
Well, the meds wearing off. <laughs> the meds wearing off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those of you that don't know, she was hurt. Okay, <laughs> she actually is legitimately on drugs. Okay, uh, this is gonna be a hard one. I'm gonna play a little bit more. Then starts to really rock out. It does. It is not sticks. Yeah. It is not. It's an instrumental. No one's going to get it. Yeah, it sounds like an elevator. Yeah, nobody's going to get it. I had a super stumper. I had doubts about adding this one, but... It's okay. I love that you did. It's Frank Alice Mills, uh, Music Box Dancer. Queen, we are like completely... Where's Kelsey when we need him? I know. <laughs> Just for those of you who didn't hear that, it's Frank Mills, Music Box Dancer. Next, uh, next one is uh, this one. I did that on my Casio keyboard. Nice. <laughs> Here we go again. Seriously, they must have used a Casio. Isn't keyboard. that a stock beat? <laughs> like, it is. I mean, I, I'm as good as it gets. It's, it's probably I, oh, it's 1979. Holy crap, you guys! World. Circus World. Heart of. Are you kidding me? That is it a full point. point. I should give him a bonus point just for Beautiful. knowing that. Wow. Yeah, all right, here's a little clip of the actual song. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, we have her. to turn it off. Okay, next one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Distinct voice. Yeah. I actually uh, was in New Orleans once and then I was walking and then like a guy and, and him pulled in front of me and then went all the way to a hotel like he was escorted there. Very short man. Interesting. Yeah, he's in the very tall. You know, the other thing is um, this was a 45 that my dad gave me. <laughs> he went to a garage sale, <laughs> picked up a Michael Jackson 45, this one and uh, a couple other ones. Wow, there's nobody's getting it. Okay, I'll play a little more. There <laughs> Rod we go. Stewart for a half point. That goes to Circus World. Half point. And <laughs> come on, come on, who's doing it? Uh, close enough. Yeah. I think it's close enough. Let's All right, we're going to give it to Jeff. It's actually do ya think uh, I'm sexy. Yeah, yeah. Do ya think I'm sexy. Okay, last one. Uh, are we have any ties? What's the score right now? The score is Circus World of 3.5. Jeff Hagedorn for 2.5. And Gar pulling up the rear with two. <laughs> two pulling up the points. rear. All right, there we go. That should be good enough, right? Uh, that is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised to see two of the songs in the same, uh, you know, list. So right. I had to, had well, to include. Them. And this one is honestly the one you want to finish with. Brandon, <laughs> welcome to the show. YMCA uh, is correct, and Wooden Gamer Village people is correct. They stole away the last point. 
You guys collectively got full that. point. Uh, so that gives you each a half point. What did we end up with then for the winner? Who did we end up with? Circus World is the winner. Jeff Hagedorn in second. Our guest Gar Nelson is uh, third. Uh, Wooden Gamer in fourth, and Bronco Billy and Brandon M tied with a uh, fifth place. That that is uh, that's amazing. I'm uh, here's here's our hearty hi ho hearty hi ho and a fist bump you know for you guys or whatever. Let me get ring the gong for the winner. That's good. Ring the gong, get it on. That's right. That's better than hearing the sad trombone, right? You know, okay. r- remind me of next show. I'll bring my trombone and I'll play it live. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know that was that was great for what's in the juke. And now we know. And knowing is half the battle. All right. I guess that brings us to the next segment of the show. And is that it? Do we have any voicemails? I think we might today. Uh, let's what? have. Yeah, it's been a while. Thank you for calling six one two five four eight game. This is Arcade Radio. Please leave your message after the tone. Hey, Arcade Radio podcasters. It's your buddy, Bob Garzadek, control panel expert and technician. I'm calling to say hello to uh, Garth from the Garthcade. Uh, am I reading this name right? Is it like uh, Gar from from Garth Brooks or more like Gar from Garth Algar? You know, Wayne's World. Wayne's <laughs> World, yeah. It's hey, good. by the way, a little note back. I was in Wade World. I, I own the screen-used Mirthmobile. Yeah, yeah, I keep it in uh, storage container number 14. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think it, had, it still has some of that original licorice rope in it. I go in there and uh, eat some of it every once in a while, you know, when I'm bored or hungry or both, actually. Uh, hey, if you want, I can mail you some. Why don't you guys hit me back with your mailing address? No yeah. way. In exchange, I'll tell you... About my foreign exchange student experiences that I've been having up here in Canada. <laughs> oh, no. They let you live with a random family, and you get to take food out of the fridge at night. <laughs> anyway, yeah, well, I'm saving up that story for next time, so so stay tuned and stay out of trouble. Wow, that, I'm going to use that clip. Stay tuned and stay out of trouble. Wow. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Bob. Bob Garzadek. Man, Garth Brooks? Any relation, Gar? <laughs> no. Is no. Gar short for Garth or? No, it's a uh, funny story. I my name is actually Garance, G-A-R-A-N-C-E. Oh, yeah. ah. Um, so I always went by Gar because it's a lot easier to explain. That is really funny. <laughs> it's kind of cool too. I mean, come on. <laughs> It was, but when, when I played football in high school, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it, Adam. What the hell? It's more fun than a barrel of monkey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just got out of control there for a minute. Watch out now. Somebody sat on the on the board. <laughs> it happens. the show one more time mr not garth brooks gar to qualify nelson (laughs) of the garcade welcome back that's right thank you (laughs) welcome 
Welcome. So, uh, we already kind of know how things are going. Why don't you tell us They're a little going. bit? Uh, we we know there's 160 plus games. 165? Are you at? Is that what it? Yep. Yeah, about 165 games on the floor now. And you've been in business how long? Uh, we've been in business almost a year and a half now. Awesome. Are you going to do anything so special for the two-year anniversary? Uh, we throw an anniversary bash every single year, so we'll be doing something very similar. Um, have like free hot dogs and free chips, and um, all the games will be on free play. Do a couple of other things, have some special guests in, things like that. So we do it big when we do it, and it's a lot of fun. Now, forgive, you know, forgive me if I don't remember, but you have a cover charge. All the games are free all the time, right? Yes, we do a $15 admission, um, and that allows for free play on all of our games. Um, it allows for come-and-go access as well. Cool. So you can just uh, it's sort of the gallop-and-ghost model. You pay for the day, and you're done. Yes, exactly. Sweet. Yeah, it's nice because then you know how much your day is going to cost you. You can plan for it. You know, with being able to go, come and go, we don't have to do food here. Um, we've got sure. a lot of really good restaurants here in our mall areas. So for us, we'd rather send our customers to our neighbors instead of try and compete with them um, and really focus on what we do really well, which is, you know, the arcade games, video games. Hey. Pinball. Tony Schwader has a shout out to you. Says, "Hey Gar, I never got rid of your pump it up to extreme because I think it's the only one in the freaking Midwest." He says, "Don't ever get rid of it." <laughs> I won't. I won't. We absolutely love it here. Awesome. Nice. So, what games like that uh, that are somewhat rare? Do you have Do you have some gems that you just love? Um, we've got a couple. I mean, we've got the, uh, the Cosmotron's serial number 0001, the first production cabinet that came out. Um, so that's a real big one for us. Um, you know, we bought a lot of new pinball machines lately. One of them we absolutely love is Total Nuclear Annihilation. Um, that was Scott Denisi, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, the gameplay from top to bottom is really good. It's not rare, but it's a very, very cool machine, something we love having. Um, we just picked up a Fix-It Felix uh, within the last couple of days, so that's pretty cool. That was one that we've been looking to add for a while, and we really wanted to, so we, we finally found one that was built up and ready to go. Sweet. Nice. I love it. And then, and then Brian actually has my old super rare baby that I s- totally miss, um, my old Missile Command cabinet in yep. the oh. Sonic Sagasa cabinet, which is yeah. super rare, very cool. Um, I had it in my own personal basement for years and years, and I traded it to Brian a little over a year ago. Uh, for a battle zone cabinet, which has been just a stud on our floor for us. So, um, but I definitely miss it. That's fine. I will say that you did trade me Susan's favorite game, so it was a <laughs> uh, it was a good move on my part to get rid of that battle zone for the uh, Sega for the yes. uh, Sega Missile Command. I've only <laughs> seen one other cabinet uh, of that type. Uh, Joe Lease, who was a guest on this show in the first season, had one in his pole barn, but it wasn't working. Um, but it was in decent shape. Yeah, this, 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 so for those of you who don't, are listening who don't know, um, like a lot of the uh, manufacturers would license out to uh, builders in other countries at different points. And so this is actually made in, I think it was Italy, wasn't it? Was that cabinet? Yeah. Yep, and, it's an um, Italian cabinet. Yep, 
And it's super cool. It's a really neat thing. And you open it up and it's all Atari parts on the inside. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, it's got a Geo 7 in it. It's yep. got the Atari Power Block. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Who, who, what was the brand on it? It wasn't Sega, was it? So, well, actually, so Sega was the parent company. And then there was Sagasa, who was licensed to build for that area of Europe. Okay. Um, so Sagasa actually produced it under the name Sonic, which is also on there. And then this particular machine um, went to Portugal. And so if you, if you look, it actually says 25 pesetas on the, on the coin door and that's Portuguese. So it actually went to a Portuguese location before coming to the United States. Interesting. And it's got the cool, like silver coin door and it's really neat. Yeah. So we know which game you miss. (laughs) Paul actually has a great game, a great question on here. What game on the floor took you the longest to find the longest to find? Wow. Um, lately I'd have to say the fix of Felix. That's one we've been looking for pretty much from the day that we opened and we just haven't been able to find one in the Midwest, um, without having to ship something in. Um, Man, that's that was the biggest one. I recently one that we're going to be uh, putting out on our floor when we go through our expansion is going to be 720. Um, I'm working on getting that up and running and tweaked out. And um, the boards are off with a friend right now getting gone through the power supplies being rebuilt, um, the monitors being rebuilt from top to bottom. So we're definitely putting a lot of work and effort into that one. Um, I've got more machines that have taken me longer to be able to fix versus things <laughs> that I've actually sought out to try and buy. So out of out of curiosity is just an add on to that question. So is there a game in particular that you guys are looking for that you're like, because we'll, we'll give you a shout out on the show. Somebody might have it and be willing to sell it. But is there a game that you are going, oh, my gosh, if we could just find this, it would be awesome. Um, there's there's three games on our list. Um, one of them, obviously, Paperboy, which everybody is looking for. That one's super tough. Um, the other ones aren't as rare. We are looking for a Gyrus right now. Um, that's one my business partner, Tim, absolutely loves. And so we've been kind of keeping an eye out for that one. Um, and I had another one, but I've just totally brain farted. So <laughs> there's, like, there's like a whole list, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, like I said, I would like to find, we actually never backfilled that missile command. That was the third one. Um, I would love to find just a standard Atari missile command. Oh yeah. Well, Brian, you can hook them up, right? You got a one that you put on his floor. I've got, I, all I have is this, the, I have the one that he sold me or traded me and I've got the, uh, centipede millipede missile command combo team play one that I am going to get rid of at some point. Oh, let Soon. me know. I might be interested. Yeah, well, I could I could that bring would, that, that to would MGC. Be good. MGC, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Another question from the chat: uh, game that would surprise everyone that's a good earner. Uh, well, a lot of our games don't actually take orders, so for us, it's just how often the game gets played. Um, honestly, I'd have to say, um, like we have a Sammy zombie zombie raid. Um, that one gets a ton of play and I mean, the cabinet looks really cool. It's, you know, an on-rail shooter. Um, but people are really, they gravitate to it. They like that horror theme. 
Um, Monster Bash has been amazing for us. We have a Chicago gaming Monster Bash right behind me here. Um, that one has been, you know, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a, a surprise earner. Um, sure. But that one's been really good for us. And um, Are the pins free too, or do you charge for those? No, the pins are free as well. That's cool. Uh, so we do everything. We've got about 20 pinball machines on the floor. Um, we've got five or so that are, you know, new within the last year. Awesome. You know, Chicago Game has really done a nice job with these rebuilds. I haven't seen the Monsters yet, but I have one of the uh, um, uh, Medieval uh, Madnesses. And, I mean, it's really impressive how well these games are being remade. They, I can honestly say we've had our uh, Monster Bash now on the floor for two, maybe three months, um, and I have yet to have to fix anything oh, on nice. it other than like a minor adjustment. Or I mean, the Chicago gaming machines, from what I've seen so far, are built very, very well. We love them. We're looking at buying another one in the near future. Do you have, awesome. for the pinball machines, do you have any favorite designers? Um. I'll tell you lately, I started out as a big Gottlieb guy. That was, um, I, I love a lot of the early nineties Gottliebs, um, the system threes. We have gladiator here, which is phenomenal. That was supposed to be legend of Zelda at one point. Um, we have, you know, we had a water world rescue nine one one. So, I mean, we've got a lot of the DMD Gottliebs. Um, but I'm, I really, my two favorite machines here personally are my Monday night football, um, the gameplay is kind of unusual. It was a one of those Data East Stern kind of mixes. Um, it's neat because it's all Data East, but every once in a while you see Stern logos on the machine. <laughs> um, and then another one that I've I recently really fell in love with and I've been playing a lot of is F14. Oh yeah, F14 Tomcats. It's Phenomenal. a fast game. Ours plays really mean. It's really nasty. Um, I did it in really bright LEDs, so when the light show goes <laughs> off, it's almost blinding. Um, and we did that intentionally because, you know, we thought about it like this is supposed to be, a, you know, a fighter duel, and you're going to have distractions and things blowing up and lights going off. And so we wanted the sound and the light show to really pair into how well that game plays. So uh, it says here that uh, on Pinside that, the Monday Night Football was designed by Ed Sebula, Joe Kamenkow, and Lonnie D. Rop. R O P P. Don't know them. Yep. That's yeah, it's, cool. an, it's an interesting design game because you're trying to go for touchdown scores as well as point scores. Um, so there's different things that you can do with it. There's head to head play where um, each player score and it tells you who won out of the battle between the two of you. And so it's a little unusual. It's something different. It plays a little bit different. Um, it has a multi-ball, uh, alphanumeric displays. It's a really attractive looking machine and it's got, you know, the old ABC Monday night football crew. So it's got Al Michaels and Dan Dietor, like <laughs> and Frank it's, it's Gifford, Frank yes. Gifford. Frank Gifford, absolutely. Like yeah. it, that's one of a you know. I grew up watching those guys, yeah. so that machine really like holds a little extra for me. Yeah, that's it's interesting because you know, like themed games are so difficult. Like for my, I have a buddy who collects pins, and they're all back, and then they're all electromechanical, and they're all card based or pool table or right. And uh, you know, I think what sells mostly today are like movie and TV properties. So Monday Night Football, uh, yes, it's a it's a title, uh, but 
Does it start out with awesome. this? It does. It has the old, and actually it has the, um, are you ready for some football? And it'll actually stream through the entire strong song as part of the attract mode. It's really cool. Oh man, I got to get it. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would go great next to an NBA fast break, in my opinion. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That would be and then awesome. Bat next to that. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. I've always, I've never been a sports guy. Like growing up, I didn't watch football. I watch it now. Uh, I, I wasn't really a baseball fan. I go to games. I still don't really watch it on TV. I listen to them sometimes, but um, more football. But I always had fun playing the games that were modeled after those games. Because as a little league player and a, you know, a young football player in uh, junior high, I, you know, I knew how to play the games. So you put a video game in front of me. Um, or a pinball, you know, that's a different story. So it's mm-hmm. interesting how those games are designed really well. Like the people cared about them, not just to stick Monday night football on with a bunch of f- football stars and then be done with it. No, there was, there was a lot of thought. This one actually has a ramp that comes out of the play field and lifts up that you have to hit to be able to um, shoot the ball through the goal post. And they did some neat tricks with it. It definitely plays a little unusual. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, you're t- you were talking to me a little bit about how you're kind of becoming a, a decent sized sponsor for MGC. Tell us about that. Oh man, we are really excited. We uh, we keep every year expanding our sponsorship and trying to do more with the show um, and do more with our community involvement within the gaming community. And um, this year, one of the sponsorships that we're doing is we are. Um, the speaking room where they're going to have the panels and stuff, that's going to be the Garcade room this year. So on all the maps, it'll say the Garcade room and um, people will see our logo and see our name and, um, you know, really help to kind of attribute how much we're really trying to do with the show. Um, we're planning on bringing like 20 games to the show this year to be able to display and um, some of them will actually have for sale just because we're looking at upgrading what we have on our floor um, getting rid of some of the B-list stuff and really trying to make sure that we have as many A-list games represented as possible. Um, like everybody else, we are getting into a position of finite space. Um, but So we really wanted to, to see what we could do with MGC this year and partnering with them and doing as much sponsoring and uh, work with them. And we've got more in the works, things that we're definitely talking with them about Um plans still for this year and and for years coming in the future that's great so tell tell us about a little bit about this you're talking about floor space so you guys have gone from 60 games a year ago to to how many now uh we have a little over 165 games on the floor right now and then what's going on like you mentioned you're adding on to that that's not good enough you're going bigger (laughs) we are so right now we originally came into a space that's approximately 7200 square feet um we left about 1200 square feet of that set aside for shop space um and then the rest of the space is set up as the primary arcade and our party rooms things like that now what we're doing is we're moving that shop space into an adjacent space in our building, um, taking on the additional lease for that, moving our machines over there um, to be worked on kind of off to the side, which will allow us to add another 1,200 square feet of arcade space. So we started with about, um, I want to say, 5,400 square feet of just game space. 
Uh, this will allow us to get closer to about 6,600 6, square feet. Does nice. this mean the you know the cubicle type things are going away, or how are some you? Of them. Okay. Some of them. We'll still have the cubicle walls in place for the party rooms. Oh yeah, and for the cafe area. Um, but like right now, we have one that's up separating the space that used to, or you know that um, was the shop space and the primary arcade space, and that wall will be coming down. So it'll kind of continue to use that wide open atmosphere that we like to have here that that open design concept right nice yeah i really like the layout in your arcade there's a virtual tour you can take if you go to uh arcade.com is that right yes yeah we have a um a virtual tour so you can go through with google street view and actually um walk through the arcade and see the arcade just as if you were kind of walking through and being able to check things out. It's a really neat addition that we we're really excited to be able to add to our website. It's very cool. So nice. thank you. Hey, I, I have a quick question. Are there any games that nobody plays, but you love that game and you're going to keep it in the arcade no matter what? <laughs> there, there are a few. Um, <laughs> We do have a couple of games that just, they, you know, they don't seem to get a ton of play. Uh, it's funny because I tell my business partner, Tim, all the time, I'm like, you know, every time that I say I'm going to pull a game off the floor because it doesn't get play, within the next day or two, there's like nonstop people playing that game. Uh-huh. Um, that, and that's the cool thing about the free play concept is it allows you to try things that, you know, when you had to put a quarter into the machine, you may not have necessarily tried because there was that risk versus reward. Whereas now there's no risk. Like you can experience new games, which is really neat. Hmm. So, so no specific games that you can think of or surf planet is definitely one of them. That's why, you know, it's like, (laughs) I I, I thought for sure, I was like, Hey, it's a snowboarding game. Like, you know, people are going to have fun with this. It like never gets played. Just sits there. (laughs) It's pretty, it looks nice, but you know, so that's one of those that at some point in the near future we'll be looking at upgrading to you know something a little nicer and that will get more play. Right. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we had another question from the chat. Paul Sarnan's asking, "What game do you hate moving the most, and how many games do you have in storage?" I'm going to tell you right now, the worst games to move are the dance machines, like uh, oh, DDO, yeah. Open Up Extreme. Those pads are so heavy to move. They're awkward. The machine is three different pieces. Um, so it requires, uh, you know, there's no wheels. Um, a lot of the other drivers and things like that have casters on the bottom, which allow you to be able to move them pretty easily. What about um, Cosmotrons? Did that fare okay? Cosmotrons is a beast to move, um, but it's only because its size makes it awkward. It's sure. not necessarily heavy. Yeah. Um, so like I can move it on a dolly myself. I need somebody to help me to tip it. Okay. Um, just so we can safely get it over. Uh, the dance machines are just, those are the worst to have to move and pull apart by far. Oh. I love, I, I saw an article uh, on that, on that, I'm just having a stream of conscious moment here because you're talking about modern games uh, in your arcade. And, and I saw an article or a review of somebody who said, finally, a modern arcade in our community. <laughs> and I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> this is really yeah. like this is as far from modern as you can get in many ways because it's a real arcade. It's legit like 
80s style arcade that yes, just happens absolutely. to have some and we you are know, very classics oriented like yeah. 80 to 90 percent of what we have on the floor is 20 years old or older um, we do invest in some newer games um, some of the newer pinball machines cosmotrons is a great example um, but those machines sell themselves like the gameplay is so good on them that it's hard not to want to have it yeah. included and represented in a classic collection well and it really is a tribute to those vector games of yore so i don't know i think it's pretty cool and hey a uh, shout out to uh shane's actually popped up in the chat i will give him a lot of credit those deluxetrons uh, the Cosmotron's machines, they spent a lot of time and energy designing those, and they aren't really that bad to move. They're, they're, they, they go around pretty well, and that fiberglass body is really phenomenal. So what you're saying is you want to buy one. Yeah, I, I do, and now Shane's going like, <laughs> like to bomb, bomb the chat <laughs> with like, okay, when are we shipping? <laughs> oh... Oh my God. Mark, you, you know, you, just think, but just think if you wind up getting one and opening the arcade, then you can come and join us for next year's Cosmo Olympics at the Midwest Gaming Classic. That's that is true. I mean, if I if I buy one, it's gonna have to go like right here, <laughs> like behind me, because there's like no other room at this point. So it's a perfect dra- backdrop for it. it. You know what? It would be. And then what we could do is like tell people, hey, you're staying in the guest room, and guess what? Cosmotrons is here. It couldn't be better. And, and for another twenty dollars, you'll turn the base down so that they can sleep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Wooden Gamer in the chat was asking earlier: Do you list all of your playable games on your website? We do. We try to keep um, the website has a lot more of the high scores that we're trying to keep track on. Um, the best place to see what games we have currently on the floor is our Facebook page in the about section. We do have a game list there. We try to update that every month, two months. Um, so it stays pretty reasonably up to date. Uh, so you can kind of see what games we do have on the floor currently. Nice. All right. I had a quick question for you. So what you've got to have one, but what game is on the floor or was on the floor that was just the, you wanted to throw it out the door. You had to fix it so often breaking all the time. Terminator two. And it's still on my floor. <laughs> I, I, I literally have to go in and inspect it for chip creep once a week. Oh my gosh. To this day to keep it running. And it, it and it's funny because I can just go in there. I don't even have to pull the board out. I just go and kind of push a little bit on a couple of the chips, and then it's fine for a week. Yeah. <laughs> you got a little, like, calendar mark thing on there? You're like, oh, it's Monday. It's chip creep day. Yeah, pretty much. That that one and uh, our Rescue 911 pinball machine was driving me insane for about six months. Oh, gosh. That one we finally licked. That was some uh, intermittent problems with some optos, uh, which is really hard to diagnose at times. So. You know, it's funny, like some of these store, like some of the stuff that you guys have to go through, it'd be interesting to collect some of the repair, like stories from some of the barcade owners. Cause you guys are really, or not the not barcade, but the arcade owners who are dealing with this all the time. I mean, you guys are getting hit. Sir, with, like, sir I'm going to have to issue a cease and desist for using yeah, the word sorry. barcade. Uh, please step aside. <laughs> <laughs> like, put your hands on the car, put your hands on the car, put your hands yes. on the car. Are you carrying any weapons, sir? You can dock the fines out of his pay for the show. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brian. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm getting music now too. <laughs> I just, I just think it's one of those things where, um, you know, a lot of guys are doing repairs, and the people who own the arcades are really getting hammered with this stuff because it's this resurgence of, you know, hundreds, thousands, whatever people playing these machines and beating on them. You've got to be seeing some repairs that you're learning, like you said on the Rescue Nine One One tracking down an opto board problem that would be really neat to somehow be able to collect that and share that. Yeah. Not just you guys, but my repair skills over the last year and a half have uh, jumped leaps and bounds. I mean, um, you know, getting into, you know, when you're in the forums and stuff, we all say, okay, you check this, you check this, you check this. And we kind of have this like basic flow chart that we go through when we're checking out games and when we're doing things like what I'm doing here, it kind of becomes this bigger thing that you're trying to deal with because you're going to have those players that say this one switch is out. Whereas yep. when you've got it kind of in your home environment, it's like, okay, well that switch is out. It's not that big of a deal. You know, it still plays okay. And um, so you have to focus on a lot of these minor things and those minor things wind up turning into much bigger problems when you really start digging in. Um, you know, you all of a sudden now it's, I'm trying to hunt down one resistor on the board. That's not throwing value, which is giving errant readings. And so you can go down these rabbit holes, which can be just enough to drive you crazy. Um, but on the same token, like, you know, I don't know how many times I've had people tell me when I'm working on pinball machines, check the switch test, check the switch test. Now I'm the guy telling that to everybody because (laughs) <laughs> like it took me, you know, pulling my hair out a hundred times that, to learn that, Hey, maybe I should check this. Um, so using those onboard diagnostic tools is really important. And it's something that a lot of us really tend to overlook. Yep. You know, the Williams games, they have phenomenal diagnostic tools inside of there and you can go through them, you know, pull up different sounds and different, you know, uh, monitor bars and things like that, that were, you know, all, I'm the first person that's going to grab my TPG, slap it in there, and it's like, no, this is on board. Why are you doing all this extra work? Um, so you don't necessarily need it all the time. And, you know, so keeping it simple is kind of that rule of thumb that we keep trying to pull back to here. It's like, you know, look at the obvious. Yeah. So is there a, is there a game when you go and see other people's arcades, is there a particular game you look for, go to or gravitate towards? You know, it's, it, it's horrible because I get at questions like that all the time. Like, what's your favorite game? What, you know, it's really, really funny. I am about as far from a gamer as you can get. I am a repair guy. My, <laughs> my background is in engineering. Like, you know, I started doing this as a hobby because, you know, some guys like to work on cars. Some guys like to, you know, work with wood. This was something that I could do that would keep my hands and mind busy while I was home spending time with my kids and my family, especially when my kids were very, very young. And so it kind of grew into where I'm at now, which is like total insanity. Um, but I love working on them. Like I, I drop my kids off at school and I rush to work, not because I have to work on games, but because I get to work on games. That's awesome. Uh, which, yeah. So for me, it, it allows me to have a very, very fulfilling job um, because I get to do what I really honestly love on a day in day out basis. That's awesome. I, I mean, that's really a, a neat, um, 
it's I, I also am terrible at games. I'm terrible at playing them. I like to think I can fix them, but I can't imagine I have anywhere near the skills that you have after a year of doing this. I mean, it's like you said, a year of you getting to go in every day and just make that your make your passion, your job is really a, a neat place to be. It so is. I, I can't push, you know, entrepreneurship on people enough. Like, you know, owning your own business is so rewarding and so fulfilling. And on the same token, it is absolutely exhausting. Um, <laughs> but, but you love being that exhausted. It's not like getting home from a corporate job where you're exhausted. You don't want to deal with anybody. You don't want to do anything. Hey, hey I resemble uh, that. <laughs> it's, yes. That's what drove me to this. Oh, Honestly, man. I was burned out in IT and I had to find something different. Nice. I hear you, brother. Okay, so I have a question on that note. Hard to run a business. Uh, any crazy customer stories yet? Oh, man. We, um, we, <laughs> we, we did have a... One that I that I feel very comfortable sharing is we had somebody that took one of our party flyers and wrote down on the back, one of your employees is a horrible person and she should be fired. And then took that and slipped it in the middle of all the other ones and left it on our counter. And one of our employees happened to see it. And so they had pulled it out. And we now have that framed. <laughs> because, because they they wrote it about my wife, and my wife was like, eh. <laughs> you know, like oh "I own God. the place. I do what I want." Oh my you know? gosh, that's hilarious! <laughs> um, so you know, we you, you you know you could come up with tons of horror stories. You know, we're in a business where honestly, a good chunk of my customers are kids, mm. and while I love kids they are horrible for these types of machines that are 40 years old because they don't have any respect for them because they didn't grow up with them. They don't have the nostalgia for them. It's just a piece of, uh, it's a toy to hang off. Well, it's mostly what they were treated Um, like um, back in the day too. Yeah. Right. And there is that, you know, absolutely. That's how we treated them when we were that age. So, you know, Mm -hmm. and luckily for me, while I started out as a collector, at least, you know, now that I'm doing this and I'm, not so crazy with my games where if a kid's hanging on a machine, I'm totally freaking out. Like, you know, you kind of, you, you breathe a little bit and you're like, okay, you know, they're kids. They don't understand. You try and direct them in a positive way rather than yelling and or you show them how the game works and then they start to understand. And so then they start doing what they're supposed to be doing, which helps. Yeah. Um, but you're always going to have the couple of wild ones that, mom and dad gave him a monster and you know, a couple of things of chuckles from the counter. And oh my God. now they're all sugared up and they're just running around the place. And speaking of sugared up, do you have any laws about in your arcade or rules in your arcade about alcohol on the floor? Well, number one, um, we're a dry facility. Um, so we don't serve alcohol. We do just the games. Um, sure. and that's definitely our focus. We do not allow any food or drink out on our floor. Um, and part of that is to, uh, keep the game experience positive for everybody. Sure. You know, you, nobody wants to play on a joystick that's gummed up, the controls right. don't work, the buttons are gummed up. Like we want the play experience to be as good as we can possibly make it here. You have a designated area. Then do you have cops that come through and, Hey, uh, you need to eat that over in the designated it, area. 
we have a designated area, um, and the cop again is my wife. She's the one. That, <laughs> no, she's a horrible she's, person. She's no, a horrible she, you know person. what the thing is? Is she's she's a mom, and she literally walks around this place and pulls the mom card out. Like, yeah, who's you know, Why are you yelling at my kid? Why aren't you watching your child? Like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, she's one of those people. So it works out well. Like, you know, myself, my wife, my business partner, Tim, we all have different personalities and we've all been friends long enough that we know how to leverage those personalities to be able to best serve our business. Yeah. It's great. So you, you bring up Tim and I know that we asked this question, but you went from 60-ish to 160-ish games. Did Tim bring any games in, or how did you like increase that up to 100 in, in a year and a half? So Tim has been with me from day one. Tim, okay. Tim has always been my business partner. He's been my best friend for years and years. Um, he actually went with me on the first uh, road trip to go and get a, a load of games and bring it back to my house in one chunk. So um, <laughs> he's been with me collecting from the very beginning. Over the course of time, he decided that he wanted to have a game or two in his basement, and then he started getting my overflow, and then he started buying more games. Um, so when we had opened, I had brought uh, about 40 games out of my own personal collection. Tim had brought about 20 out of his personal collection. We had bought a few together. Um, but then after that initial 60 that we opened with, um, the business has bought all of the games. And so it's been myself and Tim and my wife all making a conscious decision of, well, I'd like to say that it's more me just going out and buying games and then being like, <laughs> uh, it's Gar spending more money. But we all work together to, you know, try to add back into and to give our customers as much value as possible. And that's really how we look at it. Awesome. That's great. I love it. Chat's hopping. There's lots of questions, lots of people. Good to, it's loving the success of your business. Um, any updates uh, that you want to put into the arcade that you haven't had the time or money to do so yet? Um, so, I mean, you know, as far as long-term plans, at some point, I would actually like to be able to expand the business again and add um, things like an indoor mini, mini golf course. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's one thing that, you know, we really we wanted to do in this location and there just wasn't enough space. Um, if space were to open up next to us or we would have other ideas, then that's something that I would like to do. I've always said that I would like to basically at some point, someday have an indoor amusement park, you know, because we're in Wisconsin. So we have to deal with crazy weather. And the best way to do that is to get out of the outdoors and get indoors. Um, and so to be able to do things where you can have a lot of different activities and have some of your pricing done a la carte or all inclusive gives people options for what do you really want to do today and how crazy you want to go here, you know? And so for us, that's kind of our long term. It's kind of looking to see what we can do to eventually move down that road to continue getting bigger and better and um, to offer stronger more, more and faster. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. He never even cleared the holster, would he, Shane? Shane had to say something. He what? said he said something about your tattoo. My tattoo. Yeah. My um. So I 
once I left corporate America, I decided that I wanted to go out and get a tattoo. Um, <laughs> something that, well, I mean, I had tattoos before, but something that showed if I was wearing a short sleeve shirt, like everything else is hidden. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know how well it's going to show up on the film, but um, so I have oh, a, it's a totem, totem pole, it's a totem Donkey pole Kong of and classic Hubert. arcade game icons. That's awesome. Um, and so from the bottom to the top, it starts with the Vouse and the ball from Arkanoid at the base. Uh, Donkey Kong, Frogger, Cubert, uh, a Space Invader, uh, Ralph from Rampage, and then topped off with the Phoenix from Phoenix. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Cool. So that was kind of my commitment into, you know, gaming and, and kind of kicking off this different phase of my life. So the, what's the upcoming tattoo? Yeah, that was my follow-up question. The, the upcoming <laughs> tattoo is I'm actually going to go and get um, our arcade logo tattooed. Oh, yeah, So cool. that's the next one I want to go and do. That's, I know it's kind of the Homer way to go, but um, it's, again, it's something big in my life, and, and my tattoos have always represented where I am in my life and my story. And so, you know, that's how I incorporate it. I am, I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to take the arcade radio logo and have it tattooed on my face where the eye holes. Oh, <laughs> yes. I, no. I thought you were just going to get it. That R waxed into your chest there. <laughs> I'm gonna put it under my just, pinky toe. Just when you do the R, the R piece going down the middle, don't do the little stashy part. Like stop at the end of your nose. <laughs> all the way to the chin, all the way to the chin, baby. Yeah, it's gonna it look so awesome, man. It's like. <laughs> oh my god! All right, so oh my god! Oh my god! You know, hey, actually. Paul fired out a good question. Uh, was your wife always on board with the Garcade? Oh, um, wife yeah. of Gar. So how far back are we going? Like, <laughs> you know, because it, we, we originally coined the Garcade as my basement arcade back in 2012. And then we opened here in 2017. So if you look at our logo, it actually says established 2012 because that's where it all started. Um, but in all honesty, my wife has been behind me 100% from day one. You know, obviously, anytime that you're looking at a business venture and putting personal finances on the line and, um, you know, even with a partnership with friendships, I'm working with my wife. So you were putting our marriage on the line and, you know, there's a lot of really big risks that go into it. So it shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, But my wife really, she stepped up and said, you know, do what you want to do. We'll figure it out. We'll make it work you know, live out your dream and let's see what happens. And, um, she, so she's been wonderful. I, I cannot thank my wife, Mara enough. She really, she's been supportive, um, of me from day one, like from the day we started our relationship, you know, I was literally a bum living in a party house and, you know, now I'm the responsible business owner you see here today. <laughs> I only see a bum. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have a few more minutes before we have to wrap it up, but I want to ask a couple more questions. And anybody else in the chat, if you have something to say, pipe it up. So let's so we get. I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the Cosmolympics since I sort of talked about it in your ads. <laughs> so yeah, the Cosmolympics is something that uh, myself, uh, Shane uh, from Arcadeaholics. And Dan Lucent from Midwest Gaming Classic, we had all kind of been throwing around some ideas. And for, well, pretty much since Cosmotrons has been released, 
Um, I've seen potential for Cosmetrons to have a space in an esports style arena. Um, and so what we wanted to do is to try to figure out a way to kick that off and have inter-arcade competitions where representatives are sent from the arcades to a centralized location. And originally it was going to start out as a traveling tournament, um, but in order to be able to get it kicked off and get moving and, and to really try to get the ball running, we decided that we wanted to do the Cosmolympics at the Midwest Gaming Classic. So what we're doing is we're doing three semifinal qualifiers leading up to the event. Um, the first qualifier was last Saturday here at the Garcade. Um, where Joe Noeski uh, won the, the representative title Yo, for Joe. the Garcade. Oh. So, Joe, way to go. Um, he and his co-pilot, Joey, are going to be heading to the Midwest Gaming Classic to represent the Garcade in the Cosmo Olympics. Um, we're having another event this Saturday at 2 o'clock at Bounce Milwaukee. Um, they have a cabinet here, so they wanted to be included, and um, it's a fabulous facility. They have everything from, like, indoor bouncy houses to uh, laser tag, arcade, pinball. They actually have a bar. Um, so you could kind of call them one of those things we're not supposed to say, uh, but they're not really. Um, they have <laughs> axe throwing, which is really sweet. Um, you can drink beer and then throw axes. Not recommended. <laughs> Uh, you did not get the idea from me. Ryan is not responsible. <laughs> um, and then after we do the bounce tournament, uh, two weeks later, we're going to Geeks Mania in Madison, Wisconsin. And we'll be having a qualifier tournament to find out who the Geeks Mania representative will be. Um, and then the three of us will all send our representatives to the Midwest Gaming Classic, where they will compete against others uh, for the, the gold medal in the Cosmo Olympics, um, and all of that's being streamed on our Twitch channel, uh, twitch.tv slash Garcade2012. Um, so if you guys want to watch, it will be up this, uh, this Saturday. We have um, this last Saturday's tournament posted up on our Facebook page. Uh, it's up on the Cosmotrons page. I urge you to check out uh, Cosmotrons on Facebook. Um, it's a phenomenal game. It's really a lot of fun. Like Adam was saying, it's, it's throwback looks and vintage on modern, modern hardware, kind of that modern gameplay where, you know, it really leans on the player versus player and it fits well here because one of our mottos at the Garcade is to have people play together. Um, and this game really helps with that. You see parents and kids and friends and family playing together. It's a very easy game to pick up. It's a difficult game to master. Um, so we're really excited to be a part of, of getting this tournament up and running. And we look forward to being able to do it for the next couple of years and hopefully finding a couple of other arcades that will want to sign on and send their representatives as well. You yeah, know, and I, cool. I'm going to give a little plug here for Cosmotrons. So I've Shane is an amazing, uh, has done an amazing job with it. And, and Dave. But we can't, we, we Dave, cannot, Dave, yeah, Dave, we got to give both of them credit. But um, one of the things that I really found amazing with what those guys did is they took a game that when I first played, it was like, this is really cool and has some potential. And it was, it was already an amazing game and they have just added to it, built on it. And if you've played it once in the past, but haven't played the latest version, you have got to play the latest version. These guys have taken something that was awesome and made it absolutely amazing. Um, the enhancements, the little add-ons, the little features. I mean, right now, 
your ship gets blown up and your little guy falls out of your ship and you can shoot other ships on the screen. You can't move anymore, but you're like, even though you're out of the game, you're still in the game. It's, it's a really neat what they've done with it and how far they've come in, in really a short amount of time relative to kind of game development. Um, so it's a, it's an amazing game. If you haven't played it, you got to play it. If you have played it, but haven't played it lately, you've got to go back and play it again. Yeah, this game, I mean, it is absolutely an amazing game. They have added a ton. They have come out with so many updates. Um, and the best part is, is they've worked it out where those updates install automatically. The machine is connected via Wi-Fi. It requires nothing on my part to keep my machine updated and running the best code available. And they're constantly putting out you know, new code and updates and bug fixes. I think that's one of the key things. So, so, you know, there was a question about indie games earlier. And one of the things that is really important in gameplay, and we see this a lot in the fighting game community. One of the things Shane mentioned early on was, and this kind of ties into the Cosmolympics. We do a lot of work with like the street fighter games and all that. Those guys are constantly balancing their games out and adding enhancements to kind of build on the platform they have. And Shane and Dave have completely picked up on that. And they're constantly balancing and editing not to really, not because the game wasn't good, but as players develop, as skills develop, as like aspects of the game develop and people become aware of them, they're responding to those inputs. And that's, that's really the sign of kind of a professionally run outfit. Um, this is what, you know, the big guys like Namco and all those guys are doing with their games. And here you have these indie developers actually taking that approach, which is really cool. Yeah, they're definitely setting a standard with this game. I mean, like I said, from the Wi-Fi updates that happen automatically, um, the machine has the ability for an eSports mode, um, which allows you to be able to go into uh, um, kind of tournament settings to be able to both practice them uh, while the game is out on the floor without changing the gameplay permanently for everybody that's there. Um, and really, you know, adding maps, adding ships, gameplay enhancements, adding the humans, um, the shrapnel that actually affects the gameplay. Um, it can actually be detrimental to your ship. Uh, it's amazing. Like they just, they have knocked it out of the park and they just keep swinging. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, I mean, you've got all of this stuff that you're, you're bringing out to uh, MGC and it sounds amazing. What are you looking forward to most at the show? What am I looking forward to? You know, honestly, um, the best part about the Midwest Gaming Classic for me is being able to hang out with all of my friends in the gaming community. I mean, you know, I started out as a very vocal person um, in the community when I first started out as a collector. Uh, we coordinated uh floating parties that would go from arcade to arcade to arcade where the guys that collected would get to go and check out other people's collections and things like that. Um, to And so being able to see how that's gone is just, it's awesome. Like we absolutely, I look forward to like being able to hang out with those guys because I work so much. I don't get a chance to do the parties anymore. I don't get a chance to go and hang out with my friends like I used to. Um, even my time on forums has gotten to a point where it's it's very limited. So being able to spend time with those guys is what I really look forward to and doing the networking and, you know, seeing what games are coming out and what people are doing. It's, it's, it's really cool. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show again. This is the second time you've been on the show and we could go on all night. 
but we maybe, could. We may have to do a third episode at some so point. I think I think that would be a good plan. I want to say congratulations to almost two years running your business. Yes, thank Cheers. you very much. Um, I love the fact that um, you keep expanding and making it more interesting. I, I like your business model. I think uh, you you must have talked to Doc about a few things. Uh, um, but that guy's running a great business. You're running a great business. I love to see these arcades that can stand up and charge a cover and, and still make money and uh, be successful. So congratulations. Thank you. And, you know, that's one thing that I really do want to point out. You mentioned um, Doc Mack. Doc was, you know, very instrumental in me opening my business. Um, he definitely sat down with me. He helped me through questions. Um, but it wasn't just Doc. And I think that's where a lot of people are kind of taken back. Other arcade owners like Scott Lambert um, reached out to me from Underground Retrocade and was you know just as critical and was able to give me additional insight and a different perspective. Yeah, um, which really helped me because instead of looking at it from one standpoint, I'm seeing it from other people's experiences as well. So, um, you know, I know the owners of Bounce Milwaukee and Geeks Mania and, you know, they're all great. We all work together. We, um, you know, that's, what's really cool about this community is that it's a community. It's not a bunch of businesses, right? You know, these are guys that look forward to getting together and hanging out and spending time and we want to see each other prosper. And that's really a good feeling when you're in business. Like I don't have to worry about somebody being cutthroat. (laughs) And I will, I will make one plug for uh, the arcade. It's only, I guess I just mapped it about 20 miles from MGC. Yeah. So if you are going out, you can check out Garcade as well uh, and, for the guys that are local and going. And you're having an after party, right? We are. We are hosting um, the official Garcade after party for the Midwest Gaming Classic. Um, the tickets are available through the Midwest Gaming Classic site. Um, and for those of you that don't want to make the drive out, we actually have a shuttle option where it will drive you out. Um, the bus leaves at like eight o'clock, returns back at about midnight. That's on um, Saturday. So next, yeah, that's Saturday night. Yeah. Um, you'll get an extra four hours of gaming. It's a private party, so we won't be open to the public during that time frame. So it's a little different of experience. Um, we'll have catered food being brought in. And so that's all included with your ticket. It's kind of adds to that experience where... You know, they kick everybody out at about 8 o'clock at the Midwest Gaming Classic um, because they're at the end of their day. It gives you something to do afterwards, so kind of the party doesn't have to stop. You can keep gaming throughout the night. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. Uh, well, it's thegarcade.com and facebook.com slash thegarcade. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Sweet. Uh, and do you have any... Uh, I mean, you, you've already given us uh, entrepreneurs some food for thought, right? Those of us who have been mulling around the idea of maybe making this happen. So you're, you give us confidence. But do you have any parting words like, you know? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, game on. I don't know. Just, uh, you know, any sage words of wisdoms from a business owner who's been working hard. Oh, you know what? Um I tell people all the time, don't, don't be afraid to take a risk. You know, the, the times that you sit and you overthink and, you know, you can plan things out for years and years and never get anywhere. Right. And it's about taking that first step. And once you take that first step and you really, you know, 
start looking at locations, start, you know, building a collection that you can put somewhere, come up with a business plan. That was a big one for us. We absolutely sat down and worked everything out on paper ahead of time so that when it got to the point of signing leases and doing what we needed to do, we knew what had to happen. It was about organizing our own thoughts, not trying to do the business plan to get a loan. And I think a lot of people, that's where a lot of that misconception comes in. It's not about trying to get a loan or trying to get the, we did it on a very, very limited budget and made it work. Um, I tell people all the time, get the doors open. You can always make it better in the future. Yeah. Right. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for the advice. And hey, stick around after we're off the air. We'd like to say goodbye to you in person. Uh, that's going to be it for tonight, guys. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the double R's. Uh, that's Arcade Radio. Um, and r- 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 radio. R- r- radio. That's radio. right. <laughs> Don't worry. Or alternately, Facebook.com slash Arcade Radio. Or ArcadeRadio.com. That's R, the letter R, CadeRadio.com. Call, leave comments or questions on the game line. That's 612-548-GAME, which is 4263. You can follow us on Facebook. I already said that, though, so how about Twitter? That's weird. Why is that? We, you know, most of the time we're so drunk we don't know we're saying it twice. We should Holy probably crap. just. Do we? I can't wait yeah. to listen to the last episode. Yeah, you should. You should listen. To it. It's pretty that. obnoxious. All right, I'm deleting it right now. I'll just put Twitter in there. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. How do we not notice this in our show now? <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> hey. hey, by the way, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah. Uh, did I mention you can follow us on Facebook? <laughs> right, or subscribe or to our YouTube channel. It's just one click. Actually, it's two clicks. You follow us, and then you also click notifications, because that's the way you know when we go live, especially on a weird day like this. And you click like. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, or SoundCloud. All right, oh, and what's our new, uh, what's our new uh, service, Adam? Oh, yeah, we're with Anchor FM, so you can, you can uh, subscribe on Anchor FM as well. And it's propagated down to Google Play and all the good stuff. Love it. So uh, that's going to be it for the show from Arcade Radio. We hope you had a great time, and we'll see you the next episode. All right. Easy going part of the song. You can jog to this. <laughs> My pants are already off. <laughs> There's no room to hide it here, so I can't do it. Didn't know it was that kind of barky. Hello? <laughs> okay, we're off the air. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> All right. Brian wow, Armitage. Well done. The cocktail lounge. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> That's what I've always wanted to do that for a bar arcade is to have a cocktail lounge. That'd be awesome. Are you going to have only cocktail tables at the cocktail lounge? Of course. Well, yeah, so the yeah. two the two ideas I had were having the cocktail lounge. The other one was because I have all these Japanese candy cabinets is to have like a hamburger bar on one side with American cabinets and have a like Japanese candy cabinet side with a sushi bar. Oh, my so, God. Yes. Wouldn't that be <laughs> awesome? So, Brian, <laughs> did you actually know that you can raise the cocktail tables up to like bar three height? feet tall? Some I, of them. I do, but the problem is, so the problem with that, like, so Adam did that, 
And my problem with the cocktail tables is they just take up so much damn space. Like one cocktail table takes up the space of like three arcade machines, which Adam actually pointed out when I moved a bunch of them into my basement. He's like, why are you doing this? Because I have about 20, 25 cocktail tables. Nice. No, they, uh, what I'm talking about is um, making the them so that they actually, yeah, they actually come up higher. So yeah, like yeah. bar top. Cocktail, yeah, bar top height. You still yeah. have to have four people or two people around them, so they do take up well, more yeah, space. They do take up more space, but yeah. you could use them then like as a place to put your beer and stand and play a game and yep. they, use they, them yep. in place of the actual tables. Yeah, actually, it'd be kind of cool if we did like a row of, you know, the tall ones for the bar itself. But you have to. Oh, have my to, gosh. I actually I saw somebody that did that. You'd have to bulletproof it, was, it, was it though. Cool. Uh, because, you know, people will trash him. But I don't know. Well, maybe you could put like a, an extra set of plexi on top. Yeah. With a like, rubber, like a, like, that's it. You could just run a big, long piece of plexi. It'd be cost you a fortune, I did. though. When I was in Hawaii, I actually found the perfect size glass top table. And at one point, the plan was to, and Susan put the kibosh on this because she liked the table too much. The plan was to take the big oval glass top table top and put a mist pack and a galaga underneath it and make that our dining room table. Sure. That'd be I've cool. tried that, except for your knees. It's just not, it doesn't work. Yeah, that's oh, where the issue comes I, well, in. I, I'd actually measured the depth and it was like a little extra depth. It was like, so it was, it was this weird, like I found this one table. Oh, you actually yeah. had enough space. It was, it was a little... You had to reach it, a little further, yeah. but there was enough room. It was kind of this mix. It took me about a year to find the glass, and then she liked the damn table when I brought it home. My yeah. mistake was I should have just grabbed the glass top and left the table bottom at the house uh, that I picked it up from. Right. Yeah, you yeah. Know. The, the diameter is key. What, what diameter was that, by the way? I can't remember. remember. I had no. like 10 a, inches or 12 inches on each side. That's so it was wide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 